Thank you for joining us online or on the air for Connecting the Diocese, a product of the Diocese of La Crosse. My name is Jack Sosha. Bishop William P. Callahan, the Bishop of the Diocese, will be joining us shortly. But first, I have to relay the story that blew me away this week. Maybe you heard about it. Maybe you didn't get all the details. Very interesting. In New York City, in the Bronx, which is one of the poorest counties in New York, very poor area, there is a medical school. And there was a lady who taught at the medical school for many years. She's now 93. Her husband, who passed away a while back, was one of these people that you hear about the stories about, if you had invested $10,000 in this corporation in 1948, you would have a zillion dollars. Well, he was one of those folks who did just that, and he had a lot of money as well as the money she earned teaching at that school. Well, she contacted the school. She's saying, I would like to give you guys a monetary gift. And so assuming that, you know, they might get a couple million dollars or whatever it was going to be, they had an assembly with all the students and all the board of directors and all this stuff. And this former teacher went there and she told them, I'd like to give you a donation. I would like to give you one billion dollars. Billion. B. One of the largest donations, if not the largest single donation in the world to a medical school. And then she said, now, I want this money to be used only for one purpose, to pay the tuition of any student who qualifies to come here and wants to be a doctor. The dreams of young men and women who have always wanted to become a doctor but could not afford the $200,000 it frequently costs, they now get to go and have their dreams fulfilled because of this lady's gift. Just a remarkable story. We'll be back with Bishop Gallahan right after this on Connecting the Diocese. Well, we've had a couple of days of unseasonably record-breaking warm weather, followed by a quick dip in a, a snowfall. But one thing that has remained constant is the extreme fire danger. Things are really dry throughout virtually all of Wisconsin, with the exception of a couple of counties way up north. It's really high, and this little bit of snow melt-off will certainly help, but probably will not solve the problem. It's still very, very dangerous out there. In our neck of the woods, not too far from the Diocese of La Crosse headquarters, there was a brush fire that they're still trying to put out. And of course, you probably have heard about what's going on in Texas right now. Some of you may remember the old thing from Smokey the Bear, you know, the fire prevention bear. Only you can prevent forest fires. Now, I realize there's all these people who say, oh, yeah, they're, they're caused by lightning. And, oh, yeah, if, uh, if there's like a bottle or something that gets water in it, it acts like a magnifying glass. And then when the sun shines on it, it can start a fire. And maybe the lightning does strike and maybe it doesn't. But one thing that does happen in depressing quantities is people flicking cigarette butts out their car windows. Windows. Or people starting fires either to burn trash or to clear land or to have a campfire. They're saying, don't do this right now. There are all these kind of little patio fires that were popular, kind of big metal bowl-shaped things with some kind of a, a mesh dome over them that you could burn stuff in and, you know, sit around there. Well, not a good idea because, again, these little embers can get up through the mesh float into the gusting winds and land someplace else with kind of the same problem that happens when a cigarette butt lands somewhere. Again, most of Wisconsin is tinder dry, and we don't want people to lose their homes, to lose their barns. So basically what they're saying is if it involves a flame, keep it indoors. That's because the risk is just way, way too high to do anything else than what they're suggesting.
Well, I want to welcome back to the show, his show, Bishop William P. Callahan, the Bishop of the Diocese of La Crosse. Bishop, good to see you again. Hello, Jack. How are you? I'm doing really, really good. I'm now. happy to hear it. We're, we're in the Lenten season. We have a lot of things to talk about this show, but I was just thinking that if, if someone in the listening audience heard about that billion-dollar gift... Um, <laughs> You know, hi, folks. How are you doing? <laughs> this is true. This is true. An amazing, an amazing story. I was, I was kind of dumbfounded by the whole thing. I, I don't know if she just dropped this on them cold turkey. It seems or, as though she did. Oh, man. Can you see them sitting there holding this coffee cup, you know? Uh, and she says, I'd like to give you a gift. How much? A billion dollars. <laughs> there, goes the, there goes the cup, right? And they did. They stood up. It was, it was a full meeting space, you know, like a theater. Yeah. And they were just, they were just I mean, the, the kids who were there, you know, these are university students. So uh, they, were, they were just taken aback by the whole thing. And, uh, well, it, it, can you imagine being a young person who is very talented, very smart, has a... a Great interest in medicine, but you can't afford two hundred thousand no. dollars. Well, you no, can't just, do it. It's just out of sight. And uh, you know, having uh, having relatives uh, who got into veterinary medicine, mm -hmm. they went in the army to get the training first yeah. because for the same reason they couldn't afford to go to sure. veterinary school. Sure. But to have them say, "Okay, come on in," it's paid for. Yeah, <laughs> and and then when you know it was it was uh, apparently the way she announced it was you know that there was a she was donating a billion with a B dollars to this institution, this medical school, and then said that it's only to be used for tuition. So can you imagine, you see all of these deans or, you know, professors or whomever, you know, we're just kind of sitting there, you know, rubbing their hands and saying, oh, yeah, you know, Christmas is here. Office. I'm getting my, yeah, I'm getting, you know, I'm finally getting my blue curtains yeah. for my office. Yeah. No, yeah. no, this is for students. This is for them to go to school mm -hmm. to learn how to be doctors. Yeah, it's a wonderful thing. She, yeah. as you mentioned uh, earlier in the, before the show, she also taught at this school. Yes. And I think that's important to understand. For example, now, within the Diocese of La Crosse, uh, the people who are the biggest boosters for all the things the diocese does yeah. are people who have either worked for the diocese or have been in close contact, because then you get to see all the stuff that goes on. Definitely. And people have said to us, uh, to almost everyone on the the the, uh, the courier, uh, and to those involved in any way, how they are involved, and they enjoy being involved in the diocese, and and sometimes when we get letters that say I'm not going to give anymore, it is a they say I'm not going to give anymore because of a personal situation. I have been personally, you know, offended or, you know, I don't quite understand what you're doing or why you're doing it, so I'm not going to give anything to support anything. And they just kind of shut off whatever kind of spigot. And I have always believed, you know, I don't tell people what to do. I don't legislate charity. Yeah. You know, that you have to give this amount of money because... If what you want to do with your money is what you want to do with your money. And we certainly hope you are going to keep in mind the needs of, of the church and the needs of this diocese because they are indeed multiple. 
But, uh, you know, the thing is, is that, you know, not everybody understands what goes on in the church and how finances are allocated and all that sort of thing. And everyone thinks, you know, they hear all of the big things that go on, you know, uh, you know, the, 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 the pedophilia things or those sorts of major corrupt situations and think that, you know, that that's what we do. And that is, you know, we pay those bills. Well, we have to pay those bills. But, you know, it's like, it's like every single day when we listen to the the stories of, uh, you know, what's going on at the border, or how this is going, or who's doing what, how the government is giving away tax money. So money from taxpayers is going to take care of some of the obtuse kinds of things that could have been handled legislatively or whatever. And so, uh, and we all get frustrated by those sorts of things. And, and the church is not supposed to do that, nor, nor do we. I mean, I haven't done anything like that in, in the diocese in the years that I've been here, where we have, you know, taken money from the collection and right. given that to pay our, you know, bills yeah. for whatever. Well, you, and your comment about a person has a gripe about something. Uh, last week in the public service announcement section, so it was only heard in the Diocese of La Crosse, I, I wove a cornball story uh, about my father's Chrysler. He did not want to do jackrabbit starts, but when he would step on the gas, the car would kind of just creep ahead before it finally got going. And he took it to the same service station over and over and over and over, and they never could quite figure out what was wrong with it. Anyway, after I inherited the car, I took it over to some place, and they went, oh, the accelerator pump is, doesn't work. And they went over to a Napa Auto Parts store, spent like $79, <laughs> dropped this thing in, and the thing was Amazing fixed. Christmas. My point of the, of the story was that he kept going to the same place with the same problem, and they couldn't see what the problem was. It's insanity. And it's the same way with the church. You have this gripe about something, because, and maybe if you look someplace else, you'll see that what it you're griping about really is not substantial, or maybe there's a justification for why they put a new roof on this, or whatever the heck it is. People may have some wrong piece of information they got, or no one ever sat down and explained it to them, or they never found somebody who could explain it to them. And so, um, you know, those of you who have a gripe, you can talk to your local priest. Talk as, to your local priest. And don't yell at As to opposed to, yeah. you know, threatening him with bodily injury. Yeah, this is true. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And Tom Thibodeau was talking about this last week as well, about the idea that, uh, you know, you have to look, well, it, like, as he said, at uh, Place of Grace, you, you greet everybody walking in the door as if they were Christ himself. Well, maybe you should kind of take that attitude a little bit about all these people who you deal with. Uh, yes, most definitely. You know, because we, and, uh, we have a lot of unsung heroes here, and I try to sing to them. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I see it happen all the time, you know, all the time. Uh, and it, it's, it's what makes this so much fun, coming here, basically doing all this. Yeah. You can donate, for example, uh, we, we don't have any medical school here, but we have seminarians. Oh, by all means, yes, yes, yes. And we do, and, and there are so many ways in terms of supporting seminarians. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, I was, when I, when I went and accepted the job at the North American College in Rome, I was just terrified. First of all, I just thought to myself, I'm just not 
good enough to be, you know, going to work with uh, with seminarians and try to point them in a direction towards God or toward a spiritual life or towards a service that is good for them in the church, etc., etc., etc. And as it turned out, uh, boy, oh boy, I, I discovered how much I really do love seminarians. They're just really good kids. And uh, you realize, of course, that God calls these, these men into the priesthood with purpose. You know, that he calls these young men into the reality of his service in the church and, and his church. And so um, if, they, if they play their cards right and listen to the promptings of grace, those, those promptings that come from God himself, those promptings that come from their spiritual directors, uh, those promptings that come from uh, you know, good, uh, solid seminary training, etc., the structure of the life, uh, they'll go out and they will turn out to be really good priests. We in the Diocese of La Crosse are pretty fortunate in that regard. We have men who have come through some very fine seminaries. We have sent men to, uh, to Mundelein Seminary in, uh, in the Archdiocese of Chicago, seminaries across the river here, St. Mary's, uh, St. Mary's yeah, yeah. yeah, and I mean uh, in uh, uh, Minneapolis, St. Paul, etc. Uh, we've, got, we've got men at the North American College in Rome, and we've got men at St. Francis de Sales in Milwaukee. And I am, I am very, very proud of every one of those schools. Mm-hmm. I would never have changed any one of those schools. They are all excellent and exemplary places where our men have thrived, you know, just in terms of the ways in which they've grown. Now, however, we're at a point where our seminary structure has, you know, has kind of gotten a little out of balance. You know, our men, our old men have gotten older. Our young men are not around. I mean, we don't have enough, but they're still young men and they don't have the wherewithal of doing the kinds of jobs that we need to have mature, seasoned priests to do. So, but they're coming along. Yeah, it's kind of coming along. Here we are in a time in, uh, in the 21st you know, century where uh, a certain number of people are not paying any attention to their spiritual side whatsoever. Oh, I don't believe in that stuff, you know, and misinformation and all these craziness going on. There are still people who, number one, feel a tug of God. And part of what this the Eucharistic revival is about is many faceted, is to tell people God's real. What a good point that is, Jack. Yeah, God is real. And if you are feeling that tug, you are not strange. You are not an aberration. It's quite the opposite. Mm-hmm. If you have any interest in these things, you should be talking to a local priest. Uh, you're not odd. Yeah, and, and, and uh, just to that point, uh, it's important for them to understand that um, no priest is going to pound you over the head and say, you must do this. You know, they're going, to, they're going to sit, hopefully, and talk with you about the idea of holiness, 
which the church espouses since, especially since Vatican Council II, and has taken the, the call to holiness to be a very serious kind of matter, and then to kind of go over it and see it in, in light of what is there that you value in your life? What is there that brings you joy? What is there that brings you, you know, some sense of uh, satisfaction, etc.? And those sorts of things are, are there and meant to be there as part of God's reward, if you will, the, the reward of the challenge of following God, especially into the priesthood. And this is not an easy job. And, uh, and no one says it is. It's a joyful job. It's a supernatural job. And it's meant to be. But uh, certainly is, uh, is not going to be something that is not without its challenges its, uh, and its, its call to, to man up, as it were. And I'm not saying that in any way of uh, you know, trying to be sexist or any of that sort right, of right. stuff. But it is a matter of, the, of, of answering a call from God. Yeah. You're being asked to train very hard for a long period of time, work very hard for the rest of your life, and not become a multimillionaire. And sometimes none of us really quite understand that. And uh, you know, we start to think, well, you know, if I were you know, out in the world and uh, involved in this or that or the other thing, I would think, yeah, I, I've, I've spent an awful lot of time in education and, and experience and dealing with people on, of all sorts. I mean, I've, I've sat with people and talked with people about various kinds of things and some situational uh, observances that have really caused dyspepsia to say the least but uh, but but it, when it ultimately comes down to it um, yeah you know you don't you don't do this to get rich you don't do this to get full of yourself uh, you you really have to work hard to there are those and I must say this there are those for whom this particular vocation, becomes a job that is interesting, exciting, fulfilling, because there are some, some priests who are just made for the job. I mean, we need to have guys around who are going to be able to help us balance the books, look at the situations, take care of the buildings, talk to the contractors, do all these different sorts of things. But that's not part of the priesthood. That's not the essential part of the priesthood. I always say taking care of God's people is nothing in comparison to taking care of God's buildings because, you know, they're, they're, they're just as big a pain in the tuchus as we could possibly come around. But nevertheless, the sense of waking up and understanding a response to uh, being aware of what it means to respond to God's call and God's call is always in direct proportion to God's people. And it takes time, it really does take time to think about all of that and to respond to it in a way that God's people understand that you're not there to con them. You know, you're not the guy who comes to the door and says, I'm from the Catholic Church and I'm here to help. <laughs> 
you know, so it's, yeah. uh, it's you know, there it, are some things. Yeah, it, it, I keep thinking that there, you're helping others navigate an ocean of joy and an ocean of pain. Ah, oh, yes. And, but there can be a lot of joy. Yeah. Uh, there can be a lot of joy when you relieve some of their pain. And I don't mean physically, but necessarily that could be that. that with Casa Hogar, they're allevi you know, alleviating a lot of pain. And there's a lot of joy there. Oh, yes. Um, no matter where you go, at a Catholic charity, same thing. Uh, every, every sermon, every homily um, that you give, there could be somebody sitting there in the pew who goes, oh, yeah, I get that now. Bingo. Yeah. And you may never know about it. The light goes yeah. on, and then yeah. you're just going to say, oh, yeah. okay. I think you see there's a lot of happiness. There's a lot of hard work. But then again, there's an awful lot of hard work and a lot of other jobs you can do where you don't walk away at the end of the day going, I really got something done that was really important. Yeah. You know, so anyway, if you are interested in the priesthood, the, our lights are always on. Let us hear from you, yeah. please, and, 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 please. And even if you're just curious, you, we have a whole department here designed, and believe me, they have heard it all. <laughs> You'd be amazed. But we're always ready to hear some more. Yeah, always ready. And, and, you know, every single priest that you see walking around started exactly where you are. Now, there are some, you know, that when they were little kids were already taking Necco wafers and breaking them in half and doing things right. like that. But yeah. there's other people who, you know, we've talked to some of them who were well into their, their 20s and 30s, and then suddenly, bingo, they go, yeah, this doggone it, this is what I want to do. Yes. And so, again, hey... Um, you could do worse. <laughs> <laughs> and it's a thoughtful, it's a thoughtful process. Yeah. It's a, and it is, it, I mean, we, we, we talk about, we talk about prayer. We talk about all the various ways in which uh, one is called to a, a spiritual existence, a relationship with God that, that, uh, calls us to something beyond ourselves, all these different sorts of things. That doesn't just happen. It just it happens over a long period of time. You do have to respond. And once you take the once you take the first steps, God kind of takes over in some of these areas and helps you to respond. So um, so uh, hopefully, folks, if you're listening to us today, that uh, somewhere along the line, God's grace and God's management of, of the universe is going to somehow affect you in a, in a very positive way that's going to lead you beyond yourself. And once that comes and once you find that, that you go beyond yourself, and it, it's wonderful. That's not saying that there are that there are not people in this world who are working way beyond themselves. Doctors, lawyers, garbage collectors, nurses, chemists, whatever it may be, there are people who are really working hard and you know are not working for the monetary or the whatever thing it may be, but they are aware of the fact that there are people in this world for which and for whom they are offering something and seeing something of themselves going into the world 
because somebody has got to do this. And it's not just, believe me, it's not just that there are priests who are going out and trying to respond to the needs of, of people and trying to respond to whatever there is in the world because there's an awful lot of, of, of joy and pain and difficulty or whatever it may be. But there's also, God doesn't call you, you know, if he doesn't give you something that is going to be what you need to do what he's asking you to do. And, and, that's, and that's a big deal. And, you know, we do know that we are human beings. And as human beings, we are prone to respond to what we like to do, what we want to do. And there are times when, when we are called, especially if we're called by God, we receive calls that are not necessarily what we want to do, what we like to do. There are some things that you know, God says, I'd like you to do this. And so you go, again, you go beyond yourself, and this is what it is. And right now, uh, the church is in need. And I talk, to, I talk to the seminarians about this all the time, the fact that this is a time when we need to have priests. And we're in, a, we're in a situation where we do need to have guys who are considering working because the fields are ripe. Yeah. The fields are ripe. If we've, got, if we've got anything that goes on in our diocese and we talk about what goes on because of you know, farming and sowing seeds and reaping and harvesting and all those sorts of things, it's the time. The people are out there, and they're, you know, people are not going to move unless they've been asked. You know, and That's they need one of that. the things they mentioned in the RCIA program. They said that um, uh, sometimes people become Catholics, and they, be, they consider becoming priests only after someone asks them. That's know, right. Saying, Why don't you think about being a priest? During the time of Lent, which mm. we're in right now, yeah. the perfect time to do some deep introspection about what your life is about and, and what is this thing that you keep it, it bugging you. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. That's right. And uh, again, whether you're listening in our diocese or other dioceses, because we are now in many different places, including online, you know, with all the different uh, podcast things, um, they are in similar situations as well. But in our diocese, hey, uh, you we got some great people who will talk to you with no obligation whatsoever. That's right. So yeah, stop, give, call over to the diocese and uh, or go online to diolc.org and read a little bit about it. And uh, you can connect with them and um, maybe a big deal. What a, what a great Lenten discovery that would be. Oh, my yeah. goodness, yeah. yes, that yeah. would be great. Yeah. We have talked in past years um, about this thing, which I just think is neat. I'm kind of a word guy, not a word smith exactly, but a word guy. Uh, uh, and I'm going to pronounce it correctly, Lectio Divina. Mm -hmm. uh, and I will let you describe, you know, roughly, for those who haven't heard this before, uh, what we're talking about. What is Lectio Divina? It's well, yes, it is. It is. It's uh, divine reading. 
you know, Lectio, and uh, Divina is divine. So the uh, the call to uh, to um, spend some time with Scripture, spend some time with with holy writing, etc. And this is this is a uh, predominantly Benedictine kind of thing. When uh, the monastic movement started. There was a sense about the fact that calling yourself away, being called away from the world, as it were, allowed time to to spend one's time with God. And a great way to do that was to read sacred scripture or to have passages from sacred scripture because not everyone had access to books, Bibles, those sorts of things. But they, they did have access to particular passages. So they remembered certain verses from Scripture. And they remembered certain passages from Scripture. They had heard them in the Gospels. And so they, they called to mind what those particular readings were all about. And in the readings of those, uh, of those Scriptures, they found ways to, to study them to read and to study. And that Lectio Divina became part of the study of the sacred writings. And so um, it was a matter of, of trying to find a way of, of following some kind of way of pulling yourself away from the world, but at the same time putting yourself into something new. And you know, while those who had more time entered monasteries and, and found themselves uh, writing on sacred scripture, some of the great saints, uh, St. Augustine, St. Thomas Aquinas, St. Francis of Assisi, the different, the different writers put spiritual thoughts into action and allowed others to do the same. And so the Lectio Divina became part of the way in which people could respond to the writings of, of sacred scripture. So they could read a particular passage from sacred scripture, could be a, could be a chapter, could be you know, several verses, one verse, but nevertheless, just to, just to study and to reflect upon how is God speaking to me through this, through this passage of sacred scripture. Now, and last week, uh, and you can go back online to hear Tom Thibodeau talking about more of these things, uh, he did kind of an experiment with one of his classes where he had them embrace some of this philosophy where they cut back on their screen time, spent an hour a day in prayer or meditation or Lectio Divina, an hour a day doing pretty intense housework, getting seven hours sleep at night, actually talking to real people. Uh, and he said after the 12 or 15 week semester or whatever it was, uh, his students went, this was really great. I feel so much better. I feel more in control of my life. That's right. So we have talked about Lectio Divina. I finally got to pronounce it right. I was pronouncing it like Lexus, <laughs> not a car. Um, and I thought we should finally, after talking around it and about it, we should just try it uh, on the air. Uh, with I, I've got a couple of passages here. We can pick a few if we have, as time permits. And I will uh, let the bishop uh, pick one apart. And I'm certainly 
going to give him the upper hand on those <laughs> because he's the bishop and I would rather hear him talk than me. But let me let me give you the list we have here. So I just read these first so people know sure, what we're talking sure, about. Sure, yeah. And this way all of you can think about these at the same time. Because I'm sure that there are loads of people who are, who are sitting with their thoughts, with their minds kind of whirling around right mm -hmm. now. What is what is my favorite scripture? Yeah. What, what are some of the verses well, well, some I of these will, go Some to. of these will be ones you've heard. I mean, if you haven't, I would be very surprised. Uh, for, for one, and there's, there's different uh, translations of this in different versions you know, of the Bible. These are pretty common versions. One you've all probably know. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Now, another one that I have always been intrigued by. Again, I tell you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle and for someone who was rich to enter the kingdom of God. Mm. One that I think needs some serious unpacking, and I would let the bishop do this one. <laughs> if anyone will not welcome you or listen to your words, shake the dust off your feet when you leave that home or town. And one of my favorites, two sparrows cost only a penny, but not even one of them can die without your father's knowing. Well, you certainly do run the gamut. I try to. <laughs> I try to. You certainly do run the gamut. I will go backwards. I'm going to do the, the Sparrow one first. There you are. Uh, we just lost one of our beloved old cats this week, uh, Molly. And uh, whenever we lose an animal, I'm reminded of this, that here's, you know, a sparrow falls out of the sky. You know, they hit wind, windows of buildings and who knows what. You kind of go, oh, Okay. But according to this, even that sparrow falling out of the sky, you know, hitting the window of a building and dying or whatever, or this Molly the cat, not even one of them can die without your father's knowing that we are, well, to expand on your favorite phrase, no one is disposable. Right. Uh, in the eye of God, nothing is without value. Right. And so when I bury this cat, I think, yeah, God knows you passed away because you're important to God. And if you're, if, if this Molly the cat or a sparrow is important to God, how much more important are you to God? And of course, then you have to start thinking about that. And what does that mean to me? <laughs> and at that point, I would turn it over to the bishop. And at that point, you're ripe for. Uh, reading more deeply into the whole passage. And uh, the Greek word for, for that action is a pericope. We go and we find that not only is it just a particular verse, we find that the pericope, the whole piece of that particular passage of Scripture, is something that we, that we should think about. We put, we put the verse into a context because Jesus is talking and in Jesus's words we are trying to take what Jesus says is what we want to try and hear and what we want to try to meditate on and think about. So we take the the whole thing here and um, and Jesus is talking about uh, you know the value the value of all things, the value of life, the value of, of being with him and all of these different sorts of things. 
And so in the passage that we're talking about here, and I believe this is coming from the, the Sermon on the Mount, mm-hmm. that, that you are coming to an understanding of the fact that it is all part of God's plan. And, and that we don't just decide all of these things in our own. We understand that everything is part of God's plan. And so we need to be able to sit and to think about that. And there's plenty to think about in, you know, in the Sermon on the Mount. It goes on for verses and verses. But it is also important to go and to think about you in relationship to God's plan. It's not just a matter of, of trying to think about, you know, what am I going to do? How am I going to do it? You know, what is spiritual? What is not? You are part of, you are the smallest of all of creatures. The smallest of all of God's creatures. And into that smallness of God's creatures is the fact that you live, you know, the lilies of the field. Consider the lilies of the field, a similar kind of passage. Consider the lilies of the field. They, they neither toil nor spin, yet not even Solomon in all of his majesty was arrayed like one of them. And, and your father knows. Your father knows what you need. Your father knows how, how well you are. Your father is the one who, who, who dressed you so beautifully or gave you such, 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 a, such a strong love for the world or a, a strong sense of, 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 his, of his presence in your life. So there, there is your, there is, there's the start of your Lectio Divina. There is the start of the fact that, yeah, I'm, I'm going to think about this. And I should think about this. And you take your time. Now, some of the greatest, some of the greatest thinkers have, have worked on this. And, uh, you know, St. Ignatius of Loyola, for instance, when St. Ignatius of Loyola teaches us in his writings about, you know, coming to an awareness of putting ourselves into the sacred scripture and being a part of and listening to what Jesus is saying at that particular time, he is also mirroring one of my, one of my great heroes, and that's St. Francis of Assisi. And we know Francis from the very beautiful element of, of what we've been talking about for the past 800 years, and that is the, uh, the, the miracle of restoring and reenacting the crash at Greccio, the birth of Jesus. This is what helped people to understand. This is probably one of the greatest adventures in Lectio Divina, and that is sitting, thinking, praying, and acting. And uh, what Tom Thibodeau talked about is important because this doesn't happen without a structure. You can't just go and you know, snap your fingers and all of a sudden everything is going to fall into place. You need a structure. You need to pray. You need to think. You need to rest. You need to come aside. Jesus told the apostles, come aside and rest for a while. Because you can't always be 
busy, busy, busy. He said to St. Martha, 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 you're always worried about so many things. Only one is necessary. Mary has chosen the better part. Mary's over there, you know, sitting at the feet of Jesus, listening to what's going on, what he's talking about. It's not what you do, it's who you are. And that's a big deal. And Lectio Divina helps us to become more in touch with God, more in touch with the action. So every one of these particular passages that we've chosen are things that are common to the people of the time and somewhat common to us. And we have an understanding of the fact that, yes, these are, these are the various kinds of ways in which we respond to the actions of the world around us. You know, we see all sorts of things and, and we try to enact them. And Tom has given us, uh, given us an understanding and gave a great lesson to his students at the university in helping them to understand how they are to approach the world. And they have an opportunity to do so with a structure. Lectio Divina is not just a matter of taking a piece of scripture and just sitting down and trying to think. And I used to tell this to the seminarians that, you know, when I was, when I do spiritual direction, it is a matter of putting yourself into the moment, putting yourself into the moment and with Jesus in that moment, allow him to give you the structure that you need for your life. For some reason, I'm reminded, now this, this goes from before our time, but uh, way back when, uh, back when Mickey Rooney was a kid and uh, Judy Garland was a kid, you know, they would have these movies and they were basically musicals eventually. Always. But they would be, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, Uncle Fred's gonna lose the farm. We have to put on a benefit show. Uh-huh. I've got a carpet. We can make a, you know, we can make a, a curtain out of that. I've got some oil lamps. We could, and next thing you know, they do this professional musical and, and you know, and, they've, got and, a, they've got a, a moving symphony yeah, yeah. orchestra right. and everything is and, happening. And, and, it doesn't work that way. No. Uh, you know, uh, if you don't believe me, just go to YouTube and look up fail videos. <laughs> where where the, you know, these people, they planned it. I'm going to jump off the roof, hit this slide, and go into the pool. Right. I've never done this before, and I've never tried it using a, you know, a, a sack of flour to see if it works. But they, watch this, guys. Boom. Boom. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, this is this, the need for structure. Uh, you know, what is the thing about the, uh, you know, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. That's right. Uh, Very much. Uh, you, you need some kind of structure, which is part of the reasons why the church wants you to participate, because we have structure. And that's why, that's the whole concept of Catholic education. Yeah. It provides you with the ability to form a structure that works for you. Mm-hmm. And it's, 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 it's a 2,000-year-old structure that seems to have worked for so many wonderful saints, the communion of saints in heaven, all of our patron saints you know, that we, we think about, talk about, you know, whatever it may be, they provide, they are masters of the structure and help us to, to pull it off. And if the Mickey Rooney movies are way <laughs> prior to you, think of things like High School Musical. Oh. Or all these things where they put this stuff on. You know, another one that I, would, I, I always enjoy, and I, I read something about this which may or may not be true, and I will ask you. Uh, again, this one is the, again, I tell you, it is easier for a camel 
to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. Now, I read someplace that in Jerusalem, there was a very narrow passage in the wall that was called the eye of the needle. That's right. And so he was literally saying, that camel ain't going to fit through that. It isn't a, a, a metaphor for the modern day where we've got a needle and a thread. Yeah. Yeah. And then and you know, and we we in our world, you know, try to say, well, this is, you know, this was this was possible for Jesus. God doesn't do things that are contra nature. God helps us to understand that we that we can accomplish things that seem so outlandish, but nevertheless become part of God's plan. So yes, there it is. And you could reduce this down to the more modern uh, saying is you can't take it with you. <laughs> and, they haven't and that made fits it into it. I mean, you could have all the riches in the world. Yep. Uh, and that it just is in the end, it's going to all end up in a garage sale. There. You know, God uh, forbid. <laughs> they are helpful to provoke and to evoke thought and to think and to pray and to take your thought into prayer and make something come about, make things connect so that, so that you have some fiber to your life, some, some pattern to the way in which you live your life and that pattern helps you to go out into the world and, and have a, a structure. And you can't, no matter how hard you may try, you can't live without a structure. You need to have a something, something. And this lady who we talked about who gave the billion dollars to the uh, medical school, she's 93. I'm sure that's part of one of her thinking is that, well, you know, I'm going to do something with it. The interesting thing is, and, and I did not finish a degree, I got an AA degree in it, but not a BA, or certainly not a PhD, in comparative religion. This idea that attachment to riches is found in virtually every religion of the world. Every single one of them, now they have different gods, different definitions, but every single one of them says basically, no, don't stay attached to, you know, they call it sense objects in one religion, but stuff, mm -hmm. uh, because you're missing the point of being a human being. That's right. And, and we all like things. Oh, yeah. I mean, and we need things to be able to say, you know, we're, we're, you know we need to have... This table, you know, I mean, we need a table. We don't need to have the best table. Mm -hmm. So there are lots of ways in which we choose. And how we choose is based upon how we, we manage our lives, a structure. But the whole idea is, is that, uh, yeah, we need to be able to, to make some choices and we need to be able to act upon those choices in our day-to-day -day living. The uh, idea also is that we, people misquote the idea that, that they say money is the root of all evil. That's incomplete. It's the love of money mm -hmm. is the root of all evil. If you love money more than you love God, you know. Got it. And this is one reason why these priests can work their whole lives and not worry about the fact that they're not going to die millionaires. That's right. Because they love God more than they love money. That's right. That's and, right. Uh, That's it, right. It, it, and how people will work you know, for certain charities and things where they probably could have worked in some corporation and made more money. But they can go to bed at night and they can rest and say, you know, I did something good today. That's right. And we've, I've seen people who have joined uh, church organizations who have come from 
pretty high executive positions. Great saints. Yeah. Great saints. St. Francis of Assisi, St. Teresa of Avila. All these wonderful saints have come from rather... Uh, of, of families of means, right? And they've managed to kind of go through it. And they, they, you know, Charles Borromeo, for instance, you know, his family kind of looked at him like he was a nutcase, mm -hmm. and you know, in this whole sense of you know, they, they were, they were, all of a sudden, you know, looking at their son, their nephew, their kin, all of a sudden, you know, it's just not not a part of that world anymore. And so it really does, it really does make a difference. Now, I have to ask you about this one because I cannot explain this one, and I will leave it up to you. The one about the, uh, if anyone will not welcome you or listen to your words, shake the dust off of your feet when you leave that home or town. But we do know that back in those days, feet and their sandals got really dirty. And, and so Christ washing the feet of his disciples was a very important symbol that I am not so great that I can't wash the mud and dust and who knows what off your feet. Mm -hmm. But shaking the dust at the town, what does that mean? Certainly. That was, that was part of, the, uh, of giving the apostles the, uh, the call to uh, the mission of the church. So if you're going to go out into the world and you're going to start telling the good news, better be aware of the fact that there's not going to be everybody who's just going to fall down and believe it and say, oh, yippee, I've been, I've been waiting for something that is going to you know, give meaning and credibility to my life. No. So, uh, so there were people who denied it. And you know, and this is this is where this is where the whole idea of trying to figure out just exactly how do we make God's word appealing to to so many people. And you know, well, you know, Jesus wouldn't do that. Jesus wouldn't wouldn't act like that. Well, baloney. Jesus is telling you, you know, if people aren't going to listen to you, just walk away and just realize that today they're not buying it. And, uh, and then go back out. Don't change your life, but go back out and help them to understand that this is what you believe. And if they don't believe it, then you can, and, and quite literally, shake the dust off your feet because <laughs> they're not worth it. You know, yeah. they're, not, they're not worth you know, the, the, the time that you're spending to, to teach them about it, the time that you're spending to walk to their homes and tell them about it, and the time that you're spending to wash the dust off their feet. The signs of humility, the signs of intelligence, the signs of the ways in which we try to, to live our lives by example, all of those various ways are messages and means by which we are called to, to live a holy life, a, a purposeful life, a directed life. And we are to give example to others because of what we believe. And if, and if we don't, if we don't show them, you know, that, okay, listen, that's okay. You don't have to do this. But, you know, I want you to understand that, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm shaking the dust from your town off my feet because, you know, I don't quite get where you're going, but, you know, obviously you're not getting where I'm going. I've given it my best shot for now. Yes. And the other thing For now. That, Never yeah, give up. Right. The, the other thing that is in the Gospels is the idea of the, the sowing of the seeds. Some of them will hit the rocks. Other ones will go into fertile ground. Other ones will end up where a bunch of weeds are. 
and they're, they're saying you're not going to get you're not going to get hundred percent approval. Right. That's right. I believe there is a, a Hebrew saying that is, uh, "What other people think of you is none of your business." <laughs> it's another way of putting it. You know, you, you sometimes you just move on. Yeah. Sometimes you just move on. And you do. And you do. You do. You do. Yeah, yeah. You know, I was going to go back. We don't have too much time left, but. Um, the, the famous one about, so God so loved the world that he gave us his only uh, son. Uh, th this is a concept that I guess basically, the only thing I would say at that brief time is that the really great part uh, is God loves us and sent his son to help. And uh, we're in Lent right now. This is a great time to really take that to heart. It's an amazing concept. And you'll find it in the Judeo-Christian understanding of how we do it. Abraham was called to, to offer up his son Isaac. And, you know, and he was just getting ready to, to slaughter his son. And the angel appeared and stayed his hand and said, oh, wait, you know, that's not what God wants you to do. Well, why'd you tell me to do it then? You know, because of the fact that God will test us in all things. And, and, and all of these, there are, there are surrounding scripture texts that, that embellish this idea of God so loving the world that he gave his only son. Abraham giving his only son. The whole idea of God's sacrificial love. There is, there is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. And Jesus calls us his friends under those circumstances. It's not a matter of being my creatures, the ones I created, the ones I did stuff for or anything else, but because of the fact that I love you. And because I love you, I'm willing to lay down my life and do so. And not only my life, but the one I love, my son. And it just becomes that, that's one that every single day that goes by, you can get lost in the mystery, you can get lost in the, the, the action of that, and all kinds of other thoughts. Yes, I'm glad you saved it for the end because it's overwhelming. Tom Thibodeau was right when he talked about the fact that you know he did it with a class. Yeah. So he did it with a group. Yeah. And then there were they were like a control group. Yes, they you were. know. And so with with that group, he was able to to provide ideas, thoughts, stimulate that was going to uh, bring them into in a sense, uh, you know, a way of understanding how they were going to put their lives together. Everybody's got to have a structure. There are demonic people whose, whose absolute structure is to hate God and to do everything they possibly can do to hate God and to flummox his plans. Yeah, I mean, it's not the best structure, but it is a structure. And it's not the one we're talking about, but it's one that is contrary to what we're talking about in terms of trying to focus ourselves on how God is speaking to us. And we must never lose sight of that because that whole idea of for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that is where it all comes from. And that's the one that the devil hates most. That's the one the devil hates most. You want to get more of this? Just go to Mass and listen to the homily. No. And listen carefully. 
listen with both ears. Yeah. Uh, because uh, you, you, these these priests put a lot of work into these and a lot yeah. of thought. So on that idea, as you frequently say, we'll, we'll see you at Sunday Mass, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Bishop, Absolutely. Can you leave us uh, with a, a, a prayer and a blessing? Certainly. Certainly. Almighty and good God, we thank you for the opportunity we've had to reflect upon many things. And most of those things come because you have put a purpose in our lives and a love in our lives that leads us most effectively to knowing you, loving you, and serving you in our lives. And so we thank you for the gift of this time that we have spent in doing just that. We thank you, and we ask you to move us ever more deeply into knowing that presence of your love that led you to, to allow your Son to come among us, and how your Son loves us and gives us of himself and allows us to enter into the mystery of the sacraments, the mystery of grace, the mystery of so many wonderful ways in which we come to know you. During this season of Lent, we ask you to help us to be penitential, to be open to the ways in which we can respond to your grace and truly open our minds and our hearts. We ask for all of these graces and favors in the name and the power of Jesus, who is your Son and Mary's forever and ever. Amen. And may the blessing of Almighty God, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, come upon you and remain with you forever. Amen. Thank you, Bishop. You're welcome. Sometime a long time ago, I was taught in some class on the psychology of religion that people have different needs in the way they approach religious life. There are people who are very active in the church. They want to do things. They have the habitat for humanity, the Catholic charities type people who want to feed people and help people and build things and do that. There are people who absolutely love the rituals of the church. They love the fanfares. They love the music. They love the colors. There are people who are very interested in reading. They want to read what the saints had to say. They're very interested in the canon laws and why they do what they do. There are people who love adoration, just simply love to sit there and adore. All these are fine, and most people are a combination of several of these. Obviously, I very much enjoy the kind of conversations that Bishop Callahan and I had today where we talk about the Lexio Divina and picking apart things. Just fascinating to see the history behind them. But also, I was very surprised when I got into the Catholic Church how much I really enjoyed some of the rituals and fanfare and just glorious things that happens in a Mass. The symbolism that is literally covering the interior of the cathedral almost everywhere you look. My point is that whatever hits your hot button as far as your approach to religion, the Catholic Church will have something to satisfy your needs. I would strongly suggest you go spend a good hour looking around the Diocese of La Crosse website, diolc.org, especially during Lent, and see what areas you say, hey, this is really interesting. I didn't know they did this kind of thing because there'll be something there that will enrich your life. Again, that's D-I-O-L-C dot org. 
Jack Sosha here with you in the last few minutes of Connecting the Diocese. Always enjoy my conversations with, with the bishop. Just fascinating stuff. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I do. And don't forget that if ever you have any questions that you think should be discussed on the show, you can drop us a note by just emailing connecting at diolc.org. Connecting at diolc.org. Love to hear from you wherever you happen to be inside the diocese or anywhere else that we reach via radio or the internet. Drop us a note. Connecting at diolc.org. We'll catch you next week right here on Connecting the Diocese.